This podcast is made on the lands of the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Everybody can do the tofu. You're listening to Shifting Subjects, stories from Asian-Australian life. I'm Lisa DeVissi. Everybody now, you know, you know now, they got the internet, YouTube, yeah. But make the tofu, the um, good taste and the, the best, very long, make the long, long time. In this episode, we're spending a day with Kem Lee Lay. Kem Lee owns a small tofu factory in Maidstone. It's her life's work. She knows the processes and production cycles inside out, having continuously made tofu by hand since her mid-twenties. It all began in an old milk bar shop front in the early 90s, a two-person operation, four if you include her kids, who often helped out. It's now a factory floor with 14 staff and a break room. Kemley's tofu is still handmade, but it's happening on a larger scale. Let's dive in. It's 6am. It's a weekday. The traffic outside is building. The flurry of morning bird activity is settling down. It's getting lighter, but you can still smell that morning dew. Inside, it's steamy. To the right is a series of industrial gas burners and big boiling pots. The room itself is cavernous. There's a milky scent that mingles with the thickness of the steamy air as you move further inside. There's around 20 to 30 large buckets filled with water and soybeans, waiting to be processed. We made from the fresh soybean. Some factory, they not like that, but they use the soya powder. Yes, so the powder easier and not take the time, yeah. But this we make very long, long time. Yeah, how the soybean organized for a night time and after that we clean bean and put in machine and boiler. Beside those buckets and that tap is an industrial soybean grinder. There's a lot of metal in here. It's a factory after all. So the fluoros glint and bounce off a lot of gray, white and blue surfaces. (laughs) 
Once the beans are soaked and ground, the milk and pulp are separated. The milk is boiled in huge pots before a coagulant is mixed through. That's when the curds and whey are formed. And after that, we might form, look like the cheese. We put a little bit, um, look like uh, the, the vinegar, like that. And we make exactly the cheese with the yogurt. And we make slowly, slowly. Soon after she came to live in Australia, Cam Lee began making tofu. She needed to earn a living and recognised a gap in the market. When I go to the um, Vietnamese market before, they got the food trade market, and I saw a lot of food, and I saw they got the um, tofu, but not Vietnamese tofu. Vietnamese tofu gets its softness from being handmade and pressed. It retains more moisture than firm tofu that's pressed by a machine. If you were to compare tofu to cheese, Vietnamese tofu has the texture of ricotta, and when it's fried, it behaves similarly to paneer. But when you make by hand, you feel uh, hard or soft, or you feel good or no good, and you stop and you balance with your mind, but the machine can't do that. That's why the machine different with the handmade. It's a well-honed, hard-earned skill to be able to know by touch whether the tofu's texture is at the right place. Kem Lee knew how to make tofu. She had made it at home in Vietnam, but making it work in a different climate with different ingredients presented a whole new challenge. My auntie teach me how to do this, how to do that, but at the Vietnam, make the tofu different. When I came here, I do exactly in the Vietnam, but can 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 work it because the bean different, the water different, and everything different. I could remember, but I feel very tired, and I say, oh no, I can't do do that because very big job and very hard. And I thinking, if I don't do this job, what happen? I do, and what job I do, and I say, oh, try again, try again, like that. You know, the uh, Australia water, they're very clean and they um, got a little bit, I think, the uh, floor. That's why the, um, at the Vietnam, they turn the water underground. The water different, the bean different. And at the, at the Vietnam, before a long time ago, they not uh, cook with the gas, but they cook with the uh, the rock, you know the rock, but look like um, oh. the barbecue, the yes. rock like that. Yes, like coals. Yeah, the coal, they slowly, slowly to boiling and in here very fast and different, more different. At the Vietnam, very hot, easier to make the tofu. If I came here, the uh, weather cold and wet, the different with that, that's why very hot. But every day I make, every day I learn how to, how to do, how to do.
It's around 10 a.m. At this point, the Kurds and Wei are separated. I watch as two of the workers dip plastic buckets into the large industrial pot and discard the whey, leaving the porridge-like curds at the bottom. Soon after, another worker scoops the curds and plops them into a mould. Each mould is roughly the shape of a plank of wood. They're metal and lined with a cheesecloth. I watch as the curds are nudged gently together. The cheesecloth is lifted slightly on one side and then it's gently but firmly pulled over to the other side. It looks similar to how you'd swaddle a baby or wrap a present. This pulling and wrapping motion squeezes more whey out and sticks the disparate curds together. I watch as one of the workers guides another on how to do this. She's saying, as in pull, pull the cheesecloth this way. It's quite a tricky technique and it requires a certain amount of gracefulness. Another plank of metal fits snugly over the top of the mould and a screw-on clamp ensures the right amount of pressure. After 10 minutes, the clamp is removed and put to the side. The meat-along tofu cake is turned out onto a table where it's measured and cut. And after that, we put in the shell for the water to come out and keep the cold. After the tofu is cooled, Half of it goes into the cool room, and the other half is fried. These days, Kam Lee has less of a hands-on role. She oversees the production processes and takes care of the administration. But before that, she did everything. I could sleep a lot because at night time, I sleep for three or four, four hours a day. When I take the kids, go home and cooking, look after them and work, work like that, I think for 15 years, 15 years, seven days a week, yeah. They keep long, they, yeah, but the labor very hard. My kids very good. They help me a lot with the packaging and took the tofu in the car for go delivery. Yeah, they, they have a lot. And when I got the um, sunset or when I got not happy with the, my life, and I always uh, talk with them and Vian told me, Oh, you don't stress, you don't say because you are, um, I think uh, she told me, you are very strong and you are very um, powerful. Don't worry, don't worry. I said, oh, good, good. Keep going, keep going. Like that.
It's now around 2 p.m. The main tofu production line is humming along and in full force. That's when I spot two of the workers off to the side. They're pouring silky tofu pudding into plastic circular containers, scooping off the bubbles that form on top and discarding them into a container with a light tap. In time, the tofu will set. Before we don't make tofu pudding, we don't make, we just make the tofu only. And when I go to the shop, deliver the tofu, and they say, if you don't have the tofu pudding, we stop the tofu because you must got the tofu pudding. But I don't know how to make that one. And make me very sad. Yeah, I can't sleep and I thinking I make the tofu pudding. I try make every day, I try make every day, but not good, not good. And I cook and throw away, cook, cook and throw away. And one day I do the tofu pudding and I try, oh, very yummy. I, I say, oh, I get it. And now we sell a lot with that. I'm proud with that because now I'm too old, but I make that. Because when I'm younger, I'm not care, not worry. But now I'm a little bit old, but I met the tofu pudding and I say, oh, very, very good, very good. Yeah. It's getting to 5 p.m. The boiling, curdling and pressing has stopped for the day. The workers overseeing that part of production are starting to clean up. The last batches of tofu are being fried. The packing is nearly all done. The light outside is fading and the birds are back. By the time the roller doors come down, it'll be about 6 p.m. Have you gone back uh, to Vietnam since? Yeah, we sometimes we go to the uh, holiday. And do they know that you run a tofu business? Yeah, I got the video and I got the picture when I do the good job and I video call and I send to them and they say, oh, you're very good, you're good, you're good girl. And say, ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> Shifting Subjects is a liminal podcast and a proud member of the Broadwave Podcast Network. It was written, cut and hosted by me, Lisa DeVissi. Our supervising producer is John Chia. He also mixed the show. It was fact-checked by Mel Chun. Our theme music is by Marcus Whale. Additional music by Anso, including original compositions. Listen to their music on all streaming platforms. Our publisher is Leah Jing McIntosh. Executive producer is Lisa DeVissi. Special thanks this episode to Avi and Viana Stojic, Kamli Lay, and everyone at Duknya Tofu. Thank you so much for having me. Our thanks also to the City of Melbourne Arts Grants. If you like this podcast, tell your friends about it. 
especially the ones who have a thing for soybeans. I'm Lisa DeVissi. See you next time. Thank you.